0: Okay, so we made it to episode two. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Welcome to Detroit Strange.
1: That's Jessica.
0: That's Alex. We are a Detroit-based podcast interested in the strange and unusual.
1: Yes, we're not a history podcast. We're not a law podcast. We're not an economy podcast.
0: Not an architecture podcast. No,
1: we're just a podcast here to entertain you about Detroit's odd things.
0: Mm -hmm. So hopefully you're along for the ride with us again. What interested you? Why did you want to jump on this project. You know, there's
1: just so many weird interesting things about Detroit. Like even when I just like walking around a town like I just look at them like what is that building? Why is it here? What is it doing? Like mm-hmm. there's just so many like just things downtown that are like just all around the city and like what's this what's that story? Yeah. You know? Like we're gonna cover it later but the Masonic Temple was somewhere I was so fascinated by it for so long because like
0: It's a weird building. It's a
1: weird building. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many things like that in Detroit that are just so exclusive to Detroit that, like, I want to know more about them. I am a walking Wikipedia. I need to fill in those articles.
0: Fair. Fair. I just think it's a very unique city. I think it has a heart and soul that no other city really has. So I've always been interested in it. And then, like, I went on some history tours and things like that of the city. And there's just so many amazing and weird but, like, kind of cool, sometimes kind of scary, just all over the board things that have happened here. That I was, I was really excited to start this project with you.
1: Yes, I'm excited to be doing it with you too. Yes. So, we cheers to episode two.
0: We should. What are we drinking today? We are drinking the what corpse
1: reviver. Corp- <laughs> corpse. I've already had too many. Oh, shoot. Corpse reviver. We are bringing a corpse reviver, which has a nice apple taste.
0: It does. I haven't actually not tasted it, I've only smelled it yet. So, let's do that. Mm. It is a lot of apple yeah. going on there. I'm not mad at it. Actually, today's drink makes a lot of sense with. Mm. Our subject matter might involve a little death and it might involve a little trying to revive that corpse. Sounds a little
1: ooky spooky. A little
0: bit. So, um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of a guy called Harry Houdini?
1: No. I'm just kidding. Oh yeah. well, then <laughs> i got
0: a story for you, my friend. So today, I don't
1: know a ton about him to be honest. Though I know, like he like would lock himself in chains and shit, and mm-hmm. like disappear or something. I don't know. He's a magician, illusionist. Mm-hmm. I think they call themselves these
0: days. So yes, illusionist definitely. Uh, he was very against spiritualists, as we will find out. And so he actually died in Detroit. A lot of people do know oh, that. Have that you heard that? Yeah.
1: Sinai yeah. yeah. Grace Hospital. Maybe. I don't know. My friend Molly works at a hospital, and she said that she, he died there.
0: The hospital he died in no longer exists. Actually.
1: Well, she's a fucking liar, then. Uh, the DMC
0: does exist, though, on Are the same property. Swear. Huh? Are we allowed to swear? I don't care. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Swear it up. All the swears.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Producer uh. Patty, is swearing okay? It's totally okay. I love that you responded with all the swears instead of swearing. <laughs> Gosh darn right you're allowed to swear. Oh. Darn too.
0: Sometimes I talk like a 75-year-old woman from the Midwest. Same. For, for obvious reasons. So anyway, so he did die in Detroit. There's a lot of very inaccurate facts about it. So I've heard a lot of things. Yeah, so i had always heard like he died in the Majestic. Like, you go to a concert in the Majestic, somebody's like, oh heart. man, did you know Houdini died here? Now we're in a concert, it's so cool. No, he didn't. He didn't even die anywhere close to that. Or that his last performance was there. That's what I'd always heard. But still, that was not his last performance. He was actually performing in a place that also does not exist. So a lot of these buildings have unfortunately been torn down. Like I said, there are things in their places, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, first of all, You should all look up a picture of Houdini. We'll try to post one somewhere. But what a smoldering look this man had. He's kind of giving me like Patrick Dempsey, McDreamy right Oh, for sure. For sure. Just a little history about him because, you know... Good to know their history too. He was born uh, Eric Weiss in Budapest. So, this is interesting because his birth certificate actually says Appleton, Wisconsin. But. Uh-huh. Yes. So, his family did immigrate here, but he was born on April 6, 1874. There's not a ton about his early life, but he left home at the age of 12 and joined his family later in New York. Couldn't was really find born, where he was. Was
1: he actually born in Appleton or where was he born? Just- he was
0: born in Budapest. Okay. But his birth certificate says Appleton. Because back then, I think you could make up paperwork.
1: That sounds right. Like my grandma, she had a birth certificate that said she was born May 2nd, and her social security card said May 3rd, and one of them said that her name is Gertrude Ann, and that one said Gertrude Eleanor. So we're still not sure what her actual middle name or her real birth date is.
0: Yeah, I think it was like a lot easier to change your information. My grandma actually changed her first name, and I don't believe there was any paperwork involved in it. My grandpa just didn't like her name, oh. and so when he met her, he changed it. I, it it's a weird. I don't that completely like, understand that, it. That tracks
1: the time, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: although she was. My grandma was badass. Good. Maybe we'll talk about it sometime. But so anyway, he was in New York and when he was twelve, and joined his family again because that's what twelve-year-olds did back then, apparently. And he started his career as an illusionist as well as crafted his body for his exceptional strength. So he just worked out a crap ton, basically, all the Is time, lifting, lifting, lifting. Lift in. He was gay. no, damn. I, I mean, he could have been, but like he was married, so uh, to a lady. So he was really interested in crafting his abdominal muscles specifically for the kind of illusionist factor of it, because I think he wanted to be a showman. So strength was a big part of his act, and he would often invite audience members up to punch him in the gut. I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. So he had, like, an iron gut, essentially, and he would just, like, never flinch. Everybody's like, oh, my God, that man didn't flinch, and he got hit so hard in the gut. Uh, So that was, like, one of his big showman things. Uh, So... He married a woman, as I mentioned, named Bess. Uh, she was working at Coney Island in a song and dance act called The Floral Sisters and was firstly approached actually by Harry's younger brother, Theo. But Harry they, made her disappear into his arms. Yeah. Yes. And Harry ended up marrying her in 1894. They, when you say
1: Coney Island, do you mean a Coney Island here in Detroit? No, New York. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This oh, is the all the in New York still. Concept.
0: They're in New York still at gotcha, this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, they performed together often, even had signature trick called Metamorphosis. They had big posters and, oh my God, Metamorphosis is coming to town. Let's go see it. It was very big and exciting. Bess did not always perform, though, uh, and often used more of her time watching their pets and creating costumes for his act. So Uh-oh. yeah. So she was not always with him, but sometimes was. So now we're going to come over to Detroit in the early 1900s, a brief history on it. You have to picture it. The primary source of population growth at the time was Eastern European immigrants, uh, as we talked about last week on your, your episode. Yeah. Uh, hmm And white farmers moving into the city from their farms. The first automobile plant opened around 1901, and it was a short-lived Oldsmobile plant. It's no longer with us. And Ford opened a downtown plant in 1903 called the Paquette Plant, and that was followed by the Packard Plant, which I think most people are aware of. GM opened a plant in 1908, which established this as the Motor City. Because of all this industrial growth, the population spiked from 285 residents, so 285 people, that's which did? Yeah, which actually had it as the 13th largest city in America at the time to roughly a million people by 1910. 285 people was a, a large city. Yeah, I don't remember the date on that exactly. Again, not a history podcast. I mean, we talk about historical things, but you know. Don't judge us on our accuracy, but it spiked from that to, to a million people when this, like the motor city basically was established.
1: That's like an eighth of my graduating mm-hmm. class 250 something people, whatever. 285. 285. And you know
0: what? It might have been 285,000, but still a spike from 285,000 to he- a million is a big spike. <laughs> That sounds a bit more right. Yeah, I think I forgot some zeros there. <laughs> again, not a math podcast. But that's still four times the population. That's a big spike in, yeah, in no, a totally. short amount of time. And it reached a 1.5 million by the end of the, the roaring 20s. And the city is booming now. By 1920, it had become the U.S.'s fourth largest city. So, yeah. again, similar timelines here. So, um Houdini toured all the time. One of his biggest tricks, though, was actually from the Belle Isle Bridge. That bridge has been rebuilt since then. It was an old wooden bridge, but yeah, he burnt down, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. But uh, so, yeah. So Houdini knew what was up and made Detroit a place to go. Because again, this huge population lives here now. So in the late November of 1906, he ventured to Detroit for two weeks with the performances at uh, the Temple Theater, which was the vaudeville theater in Campus Martius. It closed in 1928, though. So a lot of these buildings are gone now. And during the stint, he pulled one of his most epic, well-known stunts. He jumped off the the Belle Isle Bridge. Uh, and it did burn down in 1915. Coincidence. Um, <laughs> hmm. Uh, the current one was made eight years later in 1923 But that's the one that we still have today mm. And he was handcuffed And his legs were bound Now some people even claim that the river was frozen We'll get to that later When he did it There was a hole cut in the ice. But this fact is not corroborated in any way, shape, or form. And is most likely untrue as I looked up the temperature in November of 1906. And the average temperature was 39.6 degrees. And rivers don't freeze at 39.6 degrees. No,
1: they move. They got to be real cold for that.
0: Yeah. So November 27th, which was just a little bit after this had happened, there was a front page story in the Detroit News that read, tied to a lifeline 113 feet long, handcuffed with two of the best and latest model handcuffs in the possession of the Detroit Police Department, nerved by the confidence of a lion in his own powers. Houdini, the wonder worker at the Temple Theater, leaped from the draw span of the Belle Isle Bridge at one o'clock in the afternoon, freed himself from the handcuffs while underwater, then swam to a waiting lifeboat, passed over the unlocked and opened cuffs and clamored aboard. So this is somebody's recounting of that. So there were safety harnesses to get him back out. And this is interesting because he basically lied about this for the rest of his life. So in 1953, there was a movie and actually in 2014, a miniseries based on Houdini. And they both showed the stunt, but both of them a little bit different. But they showed it with him getting caught under the ice because that was the tall tale that eventually got told. In one production, he even saw the ghost of his deceased mother who helped guide him out of the water. Oh, God. Yes. So, however, the, t- the story was told by Houdini himself, two people, but it's speculated to be fiction, as he'd often changed the location and details of this incident, probably trying to use a little misdirection. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but illusionists tend to like it. I heard of her. <laughs> misdirection. <laughs> oh, that would be a good drag name. It's Jenna off the stage, Misdirection. Yes. In one t- telling of the event, he actually said it happened on no- December 2nd, you know, make it a little colder. And in another telling, it happened in Pittsburgh. So, oh, and another one, he was also locked in a trunk.
1: I know Detroit's big, but I don't think Pittsburgh's in Detroit. No.
0: So again, this story changed a little bit. So yeah. that just gives you a little history of like his illusion, you know, and and such. Yeah. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit into the 20s. And he was, again, touring as he normally did. He had another planned trip to Detroit, but he had a stop in Montreal first. So he's up in Canada doing Canadian things.
1: We
0: oui. <laughs> oui, oui. And he traveled to Detroit via train from Montreal, Canada. Canada. I can say Canada. Uh, while in Montreal, he had given a speech about spiritualist tricks because he was not really into the spiritualist movement. He what do you wanted-
1: spirit like the religion or spiritualist and like Ouija boards that kind of
0: stuff? Ouija boards. Like people who could commune with the dead, bring back the dead, uh, any, anything with kind of connecting with afterlife.
1: You know what's bonkers? Hmm. The Ouija board
0: They're terrifying.
1: It was created as a parlor game, like some like old funny dads back then. Like eighties, like, you would be great as a fun parlor trick. Let's talk to the dead with this Ouija board. Yeah, (laughs) like that, and like seances, and like number theory. Like,
0: I mean, everything was conceptualized by people kind of looking for something to do. If you think about it, I mean, that's true. They didn't have like TV or Mm -hmm. movies or. I mean, I don't think anybody came from the afterlife and was like, you need to light a candle and sprinkle salt around yourself. But that, you know, those are all parts of seances if people have it. Right. Where did these traditions come from is actually kind of a question I'm having right now. All I know is a hasbro
1: owns Ouija board now.
0: Which is, that is weird, though, that right? you can buy it in, like, the game aisle. I saw it at Five Below once and I kind of regret not buying
1: one. <laughs> Because so I would fuck with that. I wouldn't fuck with like when I found out, like a, like a resale shop and some like flea market. It mm-hmm. was like actually made of wood and like.
0: Mm-hmm. But if you knew it was like today's genuine plastic, you'd be on board.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> Nothing can haunt plastic.
0: No. No. It's. If we, we would have heard from John Rivers by now. <laughs> so he was he was giving the speech about things like of that nature, at the Princess Theatre in Montreal. Or he had a performance at the Princess Theatre in Montreal coming up right after the speech on October 16th. So before his performance, a group of college boys from um, McGill, which was a university, admired him, and they paid him a visit in his dressing room. He was sitting down, and one of the boys... Jay Gordon Whitehead asked if he could punch the famous illusionist in the stomach as he had seen or, well, heard. I don't think he saw it. They didn't have TV. But he had heard about being able to do. Houdini complied and said yes and started to get up. However, his muscles were not tight at this point in time. So normally he would tense his muscles up for this trick. And since he was standing up, you can't really, like, do the same. He you just wasn't doing it right. yet. But the young gentleman went to go ahead and punch him in the stomach. I have different numbers. Most sources say four powerful blows to the stomach were made by this gentleman.
1: What a fucking dick. Like, can I punch you? Like, you usually expect me once. Like, it goes pow, 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 pow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Good. And so uh, this kind of like knocked Houdini back for a second. And he had not braced himself. So he told him to stop. Like, Houdini yelled stop, as one does when they're getting punched in the stomach. Uh, and then he performed for two and a half hours at the theater before jumping on his train ride to Detroit for his performances here. Some people think that possibly he had appendicitis before these punches occurred. Again, with medicine, you know, and where it was at that point in time, who exactly knows? Uh, So it's very uncertain. A doctor did state here, though, that the appendicitis could have been brought on by the blows to the organ as well. That makes sense. So he either had it beforehand or these punches, because the way he hit, just really obliterated his appendix. So Houdini's like, well, that sucked. Whatever. I'm going to get on this train to Detroit. He and I believe uh, Bess was with him. So his wife was with him him, and he started to complain of abdominal pain and was seen by an onboard nurse. And basically, yeah, on the train, there was a nurse. Okay. I mean, different times. I mean, I don't know what American trains look like, so maybe they all This is nurses. a Canadian train. They're better. Let's True. Let's just acknowledge that. He saw this nurse, and she was like, "Well, oh, you don't look good, sir. So they radioed ahead to Detroit, and he was seen almost immediately and diagnosed with appendicitis at that point in time. Again, mm-hmm. nobody knows exactly when he got it. And he refused to cancel his show, which was at the Garrick Theater, where basically the David Stott building is in downtown. You can look that up if you'd like to. But he had a temperature of 104 degrees but he's like no 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 the show must go on so he was so sick he even passed out several times during his October 24th show the man would pass out and then just get back up again and keep performing holy crap unfortunately this was also his last show yeah so after the performance, he went back to the Statler Hotel, which is where he was staying. He was attended to by Detroit's best physician, but his condition was unfortunately so severe that he was transferred to Grace Hospital. So it was called Grace Hospital. So it's not the same as today's. Yeah. Um, this was demolished in 1979, but it's located in the Midtown area by the DMC campus. Okay. Uh, in fact, it's basically from what I've seen, their parking lot okay, so is movie, where the actual hospital. The parking lot. Yes, exactly. If you want to find Houdini, go... Well, we'll get to that later, though, actually. Um, people have tried to find him. So, um, at Grease Hospital, it was discovered that his appendix had not only ruptured, but that he had developed... I'm not a doctor, so stay with me. Peritonitis.
1: Yeah, it's uh, inflammation of... Learn about this...
0: During your MCATs?
1: <laughs> no, I I was a biomed major for three years. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: I went to Japan to study medicine. Oh, I And then I didn't came know. back, it was like, I'm going to study computers instead. But yeah, peritonitis. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure... Again, we're not a medicine podcast. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's an inflammation of the lining of the abdominal
0: cavity. Yeah. Bacterial infection of the membrane lining the abdominal cavity. Very good. A plus to you, yeah. sir. So it's similar to a staph infection, but it's interior. Houdini didn't worry much, though, about having this infection. He even remarked and... He remarked. No, he said... That's how people speak. I'll get out of this the way I always get out of everything. Dying. So he's a little cocky. <laughs> well, his physician noticed that he was the best patient they'd ever had. Like, everybody at the hospital basically... Loved him, and I, I don't think just because he was Houdini, but maybe uh, they said he fully understood the gravity of his condition. Doctor Kennedy, who was his attending, noted, going on saying he was a perfect gentleman and patient during his last few days. Houdini told Doctor Kennedy about his disbelief in spiritualism and about a promise he had made with his friends to try and communicate with them after his death. So, because he didn't believe in it, he was like, you know what? If it's possible, I'll do it. I like that. Yeah, and he had stated, "I am nothing but a fake," while you, Doctor Kennedy, do great things for your fellow man. So he was talking about his illusion and oh. uh, his last word to his wife Bess i found a couple different things one of them said i'm licking them what? which i can- <laughs> exactly like i can't imagine that that was actually but i read this article multiple times and nowhere else talked about his last words to his wife so i kept it in there but it was later to be claimed that he actually said a code to her for her to know that it was him from the afterlife so a secret code that only she would know but he was still alive right No, 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 but he's saying, like, if I can communicate with you past the dead... This is what I'll say. This is what I'll say to you. Which is why I think it's hard to find, because it was a secret code. Have
1: you ever thought about what you want your last words to be?
0: No, I have not.
1: I just did just now, and I was like, I'm going to tell them, like, I have a treasure hidden somewhere and fully have no treasure. Just send (laughs) all my relatives on, like, a goose chase, like... (laughs) It's buried underneath the oak tree in the old school yard. Just something cryptic. And just have them go on a goose chase. And I'll just be like, laughing and hell probably. That sounds but, like, fun. Yeah. It's
0: like games. Yeah. Games are fun. Yeah. <laughs> so his official last words, though, were I'm tired of fighting, which is appropriate. Yeah. Uh, he said it to his brother, Theodore Hardine, who, again, he stole a lady from. And his official time of death is 126, October 31st. What day is that? Halloween. Oh, 1926 at Halloween. the age of 52. Room 401, Grace Hospital. So they sent him off to be embalmed, obviously in Detroit, and he was embalmed and stored in a bronze coffin with a glass lid from W R. Hamilton and Company Funeral Home, which was on Cass Avenue. It is across from the modern day Old Miami. The building is still standing, it is no longer a funeral home. What's the Old Miami? Oh, the, the Old Miami is a bar. Yeah, it used to be a biker bar in Detroit. Now they do a lot of concerts and stuff. They have a really nice backyard area, actually, for just like sipping and talking Where in the about? summertime. Cass Avenue. Let's go this summer. Yeah, I think it's like Cass and. Selden area Um, it's yeah good time there so he had actually created this coffin though for a trick so this coffin was not supposed to be a death coffin it was supposed to be an illusion coffin And he wanted to use it as a prop in the show, but there was never a public viewing of his body. It was kept very tight. Uh, in 1981, though, the building that this was in was sold to the Art Center Music School for some time. So it was a music school for a little bit. The current building was struck by lightning, though, in October of 2016. So was on the I don't think so, but again, I could not find this. Okay, let's do that for funsies. We're not a it-
1: historically accurate
0: podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, But it caused a fire and a hole in the roof, and so it led to a lot of damage and water damage, and so the building's just kind of chilling there. We'll get back to this building at the end, though, because I have a fun photo to show you of it. But it's been on use since September of 2018, so not that long. His body was then put on a train at, where do you think they got the train at? Central Station. Grand Central Station. Accompanied by his wife and taken back to New York for burial. He is buried November 4th in Queens, New York, so again, only four days. That was like the quickest embalming, get it in a coffin, get it on a train, get it to the place situation ever because like four-day turnaround for like traveling that's quick and queens new york with thousands of mourners in attendance so he he's gone now but because he had said he could communicate or if he could communicate in the afterlife he would a lot of people started doing some seances including his wife so for the next decade his wife would hold a yearly seance on halloween and attempt to make communication with him and hear those words i'm licking them Although again, I don't know that those were the actual words she was looking for. Some sort of code. Uh, this tradition was continued by illusionists and magicians for a long time after. They would gather in the city around a pair of handcuffs, two candles and a book. So there were people gathering here. She would not do her seances here, she would just do a seance on the. It just said a book. I'm assuming something about him, but it just said a book. I'm hoping it's like Judy Bloom. In yes. Judy Blume was huge in the 20s. Yes. Huge. I mean, there God? It's
1: me, Harry Houdini. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then they would also put a portrait of him. Uh, there were people who would go into the room he had actually died in, 401 at Grace Hospital. And this would have been his ultimate trick if you think about it. You know, like he was an illusionist. So most of it was like sleight of hand, things of that nature. It would have been interesting because he did also spend most of his life like trying to debunk That this could happen. So on January 9th, though, in 1930, the Detroit newspaper reported that Bess had received a secret code during the seance. This article is kind of a weird, convoluted one, but I'm going to read a little bit of it. Please, everyone, keep both feet flat on the floor. Mrs. Houdini appeared to be asleep. A convulsive twitching started the talk with the control spiritual guide, Fletcher. Hello, hello, Fletcher. This man is coming now, he says. Hello, Bess, my sweetheart, he says is the code you and he used to use in the mind-reading act. First of all, he says the word Rosabelle. Do you remember all that it stands for? Oh, yes, the plaintive little figure on the couch answered. She courageously sang the words of the song. Rosabelle, sweet Rosabelle, I love you more than I can tell. Over me you cast a spell. I love you, my sweet Rosabelle, Fletcher went on. He's smiling now. He's showing me a picture, two curtains. I draw the curtain so, the secret code of ten words. One, pray. Two, answer. Three, talk. Four, then. Five, tell. Six, will. Seven, hurry. Eight, listen. Nine, look. Ten, hear. In the code, each numeral represents a letter of the alphabet. A is one, B is two, C is three, and so on. Beyond ten, the numbers would be doubled. Worked out, the first word answer is B. Tell is three. Pray answer is L. Look as I, answer is V, and tell is E. Believe. The message that I want to give my wife is, Believe, Rosabel. believe. Is that right? The control asked. Yes, it is. Mrs. Houdini answered. So apparently the word believe was supposed to be this, like, trick thing that he had told her. So after this, this is a corroborated news report. Later, Bess admitted to being sick during the seance and after recovering fully, no longer thought the message came from her husband. So basically, she was like, I was just loopy that day. I just wanted to believe it. So she gave up. uh, I mean,
1: considering that like late 1800s, early 1900s, medicine was like, let's put heroin in cough syrup because it helps you stop coughing.
0: Yeah. Like mm-hmm. so she was probably like high out of her mind on something. Yeah. And she basically said that. She gave up the seances six years later after this in nineteen thirty six because she was just like I've tried this for like ten, I think it'd been ten years at that point. She was yeah. just like he he's not he he not coming back. It wouldn't
1: have made it wait right that long. Yeah, he was like, I want to debunk this yeah. so I would
0: have let you know. it, it could have taken him a few years to figure out how, but yeah. Right. So in 1930, she moved away from Manhattan, so actually basically right after this incident, to Hollywood and started to promote her late husband's memory with his manager and partner, Edward Saint. On Halloween of 1926, they had conducted, or 36, sorry, they conducted the final Houdini seance on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel in Hollywood, where beside a photograph of her late husband, she put a candle and claimed to have burned for 10 years. She died February 11, 1943, so quite a bit later. Well, not I mean, super long time, but a little bit later. But her family would not allow her to be inferred next to him because, right. well... He was Jewish and she was Roman Catholic which is a little bit sad they can't sleep forever together shade yeah So since Houdini's death, though, we're going to go back to Grace Hospital where he died. Uh, It has been taken down and basically is located in the parking lot. A man named Bob Frank Jr., who was a former employee in the hospital, felt compelled to photograph and document the room Houdini died in. So he wrote a letter to, there's a Houdini organization you can find online, that he remembered taking photos and saw a bed made with a white woven bedspread over top of the pillow. However, after developing the photos, he noticed a messy, unmade bed with a newspaper lying next to a tray. Was it a signal? So basically it was a very clean room and he developed the photo, like he remembered it being very clean. He developed the photos and he was like, that bed's unmade. Oh my God. And there's a newspaper. That is weird. Yeah, it is a little weird. And actually I have the photo of the unmade bed right here. So that's the photo with the unmade bed. There's a newspaper. You can kind of see, sorry, I'm trying that right there.
1: That is weird. Yeah.
0: That's so spooky, spooky. it's a little bit spooky. And then also I have another little, you want to hear something else spooky? Okay, so we're going to go back to the place he was embalmed, the place across the street from the old Miami, this this building. In 2015, so not that long ago, an illusionist visiting Detroit had taken his picture in front of this building because who's not going to go on the... If you're an illusionist, you're going to go on the Houdini tour when you're here, even if it's by you. Yeah. Yeah. So they went to the funeral home where he was embalmed, and when they zoom in on the picture, it looks like there's a guy in the window. I'm not going to tell you who I think this guy in the window looks like, but it looks like more like a different famous figure to me. But do you see in the middle here?
1: Yeah. Do you think it kind of looks like it's either Hitler? Or like maybe like it's someone with the mustache, Charlie Chaplin, maybe.
0: Oh, it does look like Chaplin. It looks like Edgar Allen Poe to me a little Ooh, bit. Oh, I
1: see that now. Yes. You Say that.
0: Yes. So, but it does look like a person in this window. So again, a little spooky, spooky a little bit weird there. Uh, We're going to show it to producer Patty a little bit. We'll post it on our Instagram, too. I'm going to try to check the uh, royalties on that, too, to see if we can share it or not. Closed, right? It wasn't in operation. No, this is an abandoned building at this point in time. Ooh, that's ooky spooky. Yeah, so it is a little bit strange. So that is uh, the death of Harry Houdini as it happened in Detroit, Michigan and the seances that followed. I have a a couple different sources. I actually have a lot because it's all over the place, uh, including MLive.com, 99WFMK.com, MotorCityMuckRakers.com, UPI.com, WildAboutHoudini.com, LostStory.net, Detroit1701.org, MichiganOtherside.com, Houdini.org, MagicDetective.com, and Wikipedia.
1: Did you watch, I guess they, they did a drunk history about Detroit and he was in it. I believe.
0: You know what? I did see that episode. I did not even mm-hmm. think about rewatching it for this episode. It, although I probably should have. We should watch the episode. Yeah, there were some, uh, some, some of our locals from our community that were in that episode oh, too. Oh, right. yeah, really? A little bit uh, when they were like in the bars and stuff like that in it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Houdini. That was a fascinating story.
1: Ookie spooky. I
0: like that. A little bit. Yeah. When I first got into it, I didn't think I was going to find that much on it and then I started going a little deeper I mean, and, deeper, and I was Harry like, "Oh, I mean, the
1: Harry Houdini, like, you're going to find something cuz it's such mm-hmm. a big name."
0: Well, and I was really intrigued just cuz like I had heard of it, but I knew nothing about the actuality of it. Yeah. It was all very different from what I was expecting. Yeah, so so we should probably wrap up this episode. So let's do our two truths and a lie.
1: Sounds good to me.
0: Okay, I'm going to I'm going to pass it over to you to start.
1: All right. Okay, here we go. Uh, I fell down the Spanish Steps in Rome. I won an arm wrestling contest in Tokyo, and I won a dance contest in France at a cabaret. Paris, like they do, like the the, the the
0: Moulin Rouge,
1: but the other one. Like, what's the, what's like the category of that? Is that the cabaret? I think so. Okay, yeah. So I won a dance contest at one of those. The first one. That's true. Dang it, I, I... lost. I bought these sandals that had, like, a leather bottom. Mm -hmm. They uh, had no grip. It had been raining in Rome.
0: Oh, I imagine that's really slippery.
1: Especially when you're wearing shoes that are leather on the sole. Yeah. So I, like, slipped and fell on the the Spanish steps. The lie was um, that I won the arm wrestling contest in Tokyo. I lost oh i'm not a str- a i'm not a strong man but i was at this bar called memories in shinjuku which is like the nightlife district of tokyo mm-hmm. and my friend robin knew someone who worked there named subasa but yeah so he did at this bar and it is um arm wrestling contest and i was like 19 and i lost oh. tremendously oh. but i did win the dance contest and i won oh, a t-shirt
0: i didn't doubt that for a second
1: it was that I mean, was a giveaway it wasn't tough that contest, was a freebie for me Right it was wasn't tough competition.
0: <laughs> nice work. so I yeah. guess it's my turn. Uh, Minds me a little more niche this time. So let's see here. These are things that make me cringe. Nails on a chalkboard. Okay the sound of two dry napkins rubbing together. Interesting. The sound of styrofoam rubbing against other styrofoam.
1: Oh, I hate that. So I think that's the truth. I almost want to say the napkins one because like nails on a chalkboard, like that's unpleasant for everyone. And styrofoam is just also unpleasant. Like the napkin one is too specific, but no, I feel that might make it true then. I, you got to
0: vote. I can't tell you the answer
1: until you vote. I'm going to say the styrofoam one.
0: Nope, really do hate that. Uh, yeah. The untrue one is actually nails on a chalkboard does not really bother me. Really? Yeah, but napkins rubbing together, especially, like, really dry, cheap napkins, cannot stand it. Really? It gives me goosebumps on my goosebumps. It stops me dead in my tracks every time. One time I went on this weird canoeing trip with, like, a camp. I went to a weird bike canoeing camp. Uh, so, like, we spent days, like... Biking like sixty miles a day, and then like we canoed like fifteen miles down a river on like the last day or whatever camping, Shit. and we went to Pizza Hut after I was like in high school. We went to Pizza Hut afterwards on the way. Pizza
1: Hut, yeah, yeah. hey
0: Pizza Hut. Hashtag not sponsored. And they all found out my napkin affliction because my friend was with me, and I had twelve teenage girls rubbing napkins in my face. For like slap a hoe? I should have. I really should have. I cringed so hard.
1: Like, I think one of the things I can't stand listening to is when people are chewing food, like, really crunchy food, but, like, in a place, like, if it's, like, somewhere like a cafeteria where people are supposed to be eating, fine, but, like, if it's in, like, a classroom or, like, an office where, like, I expect there not to be, like, loud-ass chewing or, like, at least, mm-hmm. like, somewhat quiet, and people are just like, <sighs> I'm like, fuck all the way off. I hate you.
0: I wish I had something loud and crunchy to start eating while you were I saying that that would that have been a fun good. fun little side thing yeah so yeah episode two wrapped up in the books now I yeah. think hope
1: you stay strange, Detroit yeah Keep super strange for next week see what happens
0: follow us on social media
1: Instagram and Twitter at, at Detroit Strange and if you want to send us any questions or email us anything suggestions whatever feedback we love feedback, mm-hmm. feedback personal stories if yeah, you've felt the Houdini spirit yeah. in Detroit ever
0: yeah if you had a seance in Detroit I want to hear about it
1: even if you just want to say hi, email us at DetroitStrange at gmail.com.
0: Okay, see you later. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sax and Violence.